and welcome to the Tron Church Talking Points podcast. Uh, Stephen is uh, with me in the room as well as Paul Brennan and Stephen is grinning at me because I haven't said that for about two months. I'm so happy to be here. And I wasn't sure I was going to get it right. Um, it's really good to get the opportunity to um, sit down in a room and uh, chat over and chew over the sermon. I, I certainly appreciate it. I definitely... Um, hearing the sermons, thinking about them again, talking about them, I find is is just really, really helpful to to get it into my system and, and to dwell on it richly. So we really hope that listening um, to our conversation today as we talk over uh, Sunday sermons will be, will be helpful uh, to you as well. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to start off with what was the, the, the sort of standout phrase uh, for me of the Sunday, which is um, something you said Stephen, in your sermon on Leviticus, is that we don't each make our own way individually um, to holiness, which I I find that a really helpful thing. Would you like to pick up on that? Hmm. Yeah, so I'm guessing the Lord puts chapters like this in the Bible because even though it's directed towards leadership and seems to be unrelatable and irrelevant to most Christians' lives. So, for example, if you were doing your Bible read-through, maybe actually at this point of the year you are coming to Leviticus Mm. and you would read that chapter and think, that's great, I can't wait to get to the next day, hopefully there's something useful for me then. But actually, this is what we need to grow in holiness. And um, over the past three Sundays, they've really all been focused on that, on growing in holiness and growing in the likeness of our God. And it shouldn't come as a surprise because... Particularly last week, we saw that holiness is all about how you treat other people. Yeah. Holiness is relational and it's all about people. So it shouldn't be a surprise that it's not an individual journey of faith that we're taking, uh, but that it's a corporate congregational one that we are going along with other people on. Mm. And particularly that we actually need help with because uh, we are not the the kind of masters and know-alls that we would like to think we are. Uh, I mean, I have to say, I found it actually a very reassuring and helpful concept that 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 it, I'm not individually trying to make my own way to holiness, but I've been put in a in a family in a church family hmm. with leaders. Yeah, and the Lord knows that sheep need shepherds. I mean, you don't stand in a field and tell a sheep where to go and just hope that it gets there, but you guide and direct. I say this like I know anything about farming. I've got the look of a farmer, Stephen. I do, Looking don't good. I? Definitely. I've been outside once. You look I more like, like a solicitor than a farmer. To so we do your spare time, Stephen. <laughs> I've watched Clarkson's Farm once. It was great. <laughs> I, listen I know to everything archers. about it. Yeah. Um, I've got a friend from Yorkshire. It's fine. And what were we saying? You were saying sheep need shepherds. Yes, sheep need shepherds. And we all need help along the way. Mm. And the Lord has given us people to do that. And it linked really well in with what Phil was saying a couple of weeks ago on the Sunday evening on Ephesians 4, that God has given us pastor teachers mm. um, to equip us for the work of ministry. And it just makes sense that he's given us that uh, those people for that job. Um, it's not just us to kind of go and burrow away in our own place and uh, try and spend alone time with the Lord and work out holiness on our own and then come back as this kind of, I'm the 2.0 version of myself, I'm holier now, I'm better. But... He's given us people to lead us and a church family to practice it in so that we're growing together. And rub off our rough edges. Precisely. Yeah. So, I mean, it was... Obviously, it's a passage that is primarily directed to leaders. Um, But as you said, obviously, um, the writer and the Holy Spirit 
wanted everyone to read it because it's in our Bible. So, so can we have a bit of a chat through what, how does it apply to um, the people of God, those who are, um, who are not the, the shepherds of the church family? Yes, I think, I think what we're just talking about there is really helpful because when we talk about holiness or actually when we talk about a lot of the Christian life, our tendency is to individualize, isn't it? Mm. It's to, I'm, I'm living my own Christian life and it's about me and it's holiness is down to what I do. We're so but, affected by the air we totally, breathe in our Western culture, aren't totally, we? Totally, but yeah. you know, that, that sort of conception was totally alien to yeah. the first readers of this. Um, they understood life much more corporately. And I think remembering that as we come to a passage like this, which is directed to the priests, the leaders, those who teach the word, um, that can seem a bit alien to us, but we've got to unlearn our individualism and remember that we are part of a corporate body. Mm-hmm. And actually the, the life of those who lead us and teach the Bible, that is really key for the whole church. So we as a church ought to be really concerned about those who lead us mm-hmm. and uh, who we identify as leaders and who are set apart for that. We've got to be really careful mm. about who we put in uh, to those particular roles, but also for those who are in those roles, we've, you know, as as you alluded to yesterday, Stephen, we've got to pray for them, support them, because uh, it yeah, you know, it's a serious responsibility and um, there's a little weight on their shoulders. Um, so we have a duty to, to pray and support for them. Mm. Um, so it's absolutely relevant for the whole church family. It's not, this wasn't just a sermon directed to the ordained ministers in the church. This was directed to the whole church, wasn't it? Mm. Mm-hmm. And, and coming to, to hear the word of God with that attitude of humility, not, not thinking, um, what did I think about that sermon? Or what do I think about this preacher? But actually what did, what is the sermon making of me? What does God God think of me? And just coming with that attitude, and not kind of picking holes, but but really listening humbly to what the Word of God has to say to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and just the need to be praying as a church family for those who preach, for those who lead, um, in every way. Um, you you guys have both uh, followed a path into ministry, had 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 advice along the way, and. Mm. Uh, learn some things. Um, what would you be able to give some advice for, for maybe somebody listening who's thinking, who's maybe just at the stage of wondering whether uh, ministry might be what the Lord is lining up for them? What would you say? Yeah, I think there's lot, there's lots you could say, but I think um, certainly look at what we do as a church in terms of identifying and training ministers so you don't just emerge suddenly one day as a full-time minister Uh, there is a process there and and the whole church is involved in that so what we do is the apprenticeship program that's the first step in actually it's boot camp isn't it well there's boot thank you agnes you're very welcome (laughs) well it goes back even further you know there's of course (laughs) there's just general involvement in the life of the church um but yeah we have boot camp which is designed for those who are students to get a three-week intensive mini apprenticeship um, and that will then lead into some thinking about okay I want to give this a bit more thought and time doing the apprenticeship and that does two things one it helps the apprentice to get a sense of what ministry is actually like because you can 
you see just the tip of the iceberg, don't you? When you're in the church, on the in the pew, you're seeing the, the things you're involved in. Thing but, you're, yeah, the, the preaching or the Bible study, but there's a whole bunch of stuff in behind that. Um, so an apprenticeship gives you the inside on that and what it's actually like. The second thing is it gives the church an ability to get to know you. Um, because it's not just me deciding I'm going to go and do ministry, the church, you better get on board. Mm. Actually, there is a sense in which there's got to be a desire there to do it. Yes. But the other key aspect is the church identifying someone. Basically sending. And sending them yeah. on. Yeah. And so an apprenticeship over two years, that gives you a pretty good sense of the character of a person because you see them when they're tired and when they're mm-hmm. stressed and mm-hmm. how they handle that and... Um, how they treat people and all that kind of stuff. So it gives time for a church to identify mm. uh, those who might go into full-time ministry. Stephen, thoughts? Yeah, it's just a great testing ground, isn't it, the apprenticeship? Um, because I mean, just thinking back to myself when uh, I went into the apprenticeship, I'd done Cornhill when I was younger and had worked for a few years. And then we were kind of sure that that's what I wanted to do, but... You still needed to test it in real in the real world in the life of the church, and going through the apprenticeship, both, well, it affirmed that choice really. Um, it raised questions, it raised challenges, but mm. it affirmed that this is the right path to pursue and this is the right way to, to go because, I am serving the church and I was loving it. Mm. Um, it was an absolute delight. And of course, it's no surprise, is it, that actually that testing of ministry and character and and calling is done not individually by yourself but in the midst of yeah. midst of the operation of the church church family and the life of the yeah. church um, so it's not something folks would be just considering in isolation by themselves and then saying uh-huh. yeah. and also it sort of reveals to you people you may not initially mm. have thought because we can be quite superficial in our judgments but actually as you get to know somebody over two years in an apprenticeship Actually, those of you who think, oh, they're, they're destined to go into ministry, actually, not so sure. Mm-hmm. And those who you may be a bit unsure about, actually, as they grow and develop, think, actually, there's clear character here that is mm-hmm. suited. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't otherwise know that. Yeah. So that's the real value of yeah. of And folks who might, who might not be, in terms of sort of upfront stuff, yeah. immediately, obviously, but mm-hmm. wonderful, quiet ministry with individuals. Yeah, because um, yeah, all you know, ministry isn't the same, you know. Just looking across the staff team, um, we've all got very different roles and we do very different things. things. So what Willie does in a week is quite different from what I do and mm-hmm. quite different from what you do, Agnes, mm-hmm. and what Stephen does. So you know, there's there's different yeah. aspects to ministry you might not pick up. Yeah. So yeah, that 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 kind of route into ministry apprenticeship route just it's not an accident. It's it's been devised deliberately, hasn't it? Because we are can persuade you that character matters, as as Leviticus mm. was saying here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I I was really struck on Sunday as well, just that we we actually had two sermons, very different passages, but both touching on the significance of leaders for what happens to the people of God. Um, good in Leviticus. Um, and a very, very bad example in Ahab in, in 1 Kings. Um, uh, yeah, just just that significance. So, um, Paul, what, mm. what struck you particularly from, from 1 Kings? Well, I think there were kind of there were two groups of leaders here, weren't there? There was the overtly, actively wicked 
with Jezebel. Mm. Yeah, she was concocting this plan, uh, trying to get hold of mm. Naboth's vineyard, and you know, very clearly wicked in what she was doing. There was a real intentionality there. The second leadership was a sort of vacuum of leadership, a, a passiveness and a, a total abdication. So you know, she she wrote to these elders and leaders in the town where Naboth lived and said, here's the plan, guys, we're going to get Naboth. Um, but they did nothing. Um, nobody said anything. They all went along with it. Um, just astonishing abdication responsibility and, you know, poor Naboth's done nothing wrong. And none of these leaders did anything about it. Um, so that was really very stark, wasn't it? Mm, and mm. because we, you know... It isn't just Jezebel that's the problem. Well, exactly. And, mm. you know... Not many of us are likely to be in a Jezebel sort of position, but a lot of us might be in a, the position of those other leaders where we're having to interact with, with wicked devices and wicked plans, and what do we do about that? And I was just thinking, if it was a, if it was a biggie, like, let's murder somebody, I feel like I would know that, but I wonder if, if I'd given in on little things in the run-up, hmm. whether I then... I wouldn't have spine, I wouldn't have grown a spine I think that's how it works isn't it I mean I'm I'm uh, I'm reading various things about World War II at the moment um, with the kids and for myself and you you just observe over the years what's going on in Germany and you know Hitler didn't come all guns blazing with a with the the final solution there was a million other decisions small compromises on the way and you know people were blind to the reality Um, so Something was, we must pray for in our leaders, isn't it? Is that that spine and that discernment of the small yeah, that's decisions. right. Yeah. So I thought what Stephen was saying was very, very striking. You know, nobody spoke out against the plan. Um, I think he called it something like slobbering subservience, bureaucratic robots. Um, people are people afraid to stand up to whatever authority it is. Mm. Um, I mean, you could understand why they would be afraid of Jezebel. Yes. Mm. But they needed to be more afraid of the Lord. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, interesting. The the impact, isn't it, that bad leadership, poor leadership, has uh, on on the people, on the whole people of God. Yeah, and you know they were, they were more concerned about their own necks, and as you say, they they feared this woman Jezebel more than the Lord. That's a very short-sighted, short-term mm. view to take, isn't it? Mm. Um, forgetting who really holds the reins, who really will bring judgment at the end. Yeah, so just both that reassurance that, you, well, it's not a reassurance, but the, the reality that is injustice will face the people of God. We just need to know that, don't we? Mm-hmm. I think we need to know that. It might start small. We just we just need to know it before it happens to us mm. in this country. Uh, but that God will... God will will judge that. Mm-hmm. And it was wonderful having that sermon on a day where we were talking about the Christmas offering we had to our gospel partners in Northeast India, where they have faced exactly situations like this. Yeah. Buildings being burned, torn down, livelihoods being destroyed, people's lives being ruined in many ways. And the Lord cares. Um, we might not see justice this side of eternity, but the Lord does care mm-hmm. and he will act. And there's a, a call for the church to stand up and speak about that. Yeah, yeah. The other thing that, that struck me on, on Sunday was that two very different passages, but in each of them, 
there was a an embarrassing bit, you know, an embarrassing bit of the Bible. Uh, so in Leviticus, we had that uh, treatment of disability amongst the priesthood. Um, bit embarrassing, perhaps. Hmm. And we had the the pretty brutal judgment um, on Jezebel in 1 Kings. Um, and I guess sometimes we, we maybe recoil a little bit. We maybe particularly think, oh... I'm so glad my friend, I haven't invited my friend to church today to hear this, or maybe it's just in the back of your mind about whether or not you will invite somebody to church. Paul, would you like mm. to just kind of respond to that a little? Well, I think one of the, one of the, well, I think one of the great things, particularly about uh, some of the Old Testament narratives and more broadly, the Bible is that it deals with reality. It doesn't deal with a sort of sanctified, smoothed over account of life. It deals with life as it really is mm. in the real world. And, you know, anyone who pays attention to what's going on in the world for 10 minutes will know that the world is a mess mm. and there are very difficult things um, going on. And the fact that the Bible deals with a world like that is greatly reassuring because this is God's word and it deals with the world as it is. It's not an airbrushed. It's image. not an airbrushed. It's not pretending things are different from what they are. It is dealing with reality. And even in the midst of the mess of humanity, there's hope because God is dealing with the real world. So I think to think people might be squeamish or, you know, they might be if they've got their head buried in the sand aren't mm. paying attention to the world, which is quite possible. Mm. But for those who are thinking about what's going on, who are dealing with evil, and we've seen that. I've seen that a lot with folk coming into church over yeah, the last... Yeah, tell us about that. You know, last few months. I mean, every week there are people coming into church who are interested, who want to find out, who are having questions about life and they want to know what Christianity says. Um, how does it account for what's going on in the world? Mm. And so passages like these mm -hmm. are exactly what they need to hear. Yeah. And actually there was, you know, a couple of weeks ago you were dealing with Leviticus 18, um, which was dealing with, you know, difficult issues around sexuality, homosexuality, and you might think, oh, that's that's probably not one to bring hmm, my friend to. But one of the folk who's been coming to church recently, um, he was there, and afterwards he was chatting with one of our members and was asked the question, what do you think of the sermon? And he was like, that was really helpful because... Mm. Actually, that was articulating a lot of what I probably would have thought, but to hear it articulated that was just so helpful. I can understand now why I believe what I believe. I've got reasons now. Mm -hmm. um, if you come into that sermon beforehand thinking, I'm not sure this is great for him, mm -hmm. that actually belies our distrust in yes. the sufficiency of Scripture. Mm. Yes. And that's actually God knows what he's doing. And that the biblical mm -hmm. worldview when people encounter it um, it is the only it is the only worldview that makes sense of everything that people encounter. Yep. Every other box is too small, and there's always bits sticking out. Yep. And so, actually, we should we should expect that whatever people hear of a biblical worldview from preaching in church will make sense of the world and a world that they live in too. Yeah. And you know, we've had folk come in the middle of you know series on Ezekiel or whatever. You you may not think that is the the best entry point for folk 
But actually, any point is. Yes. Any yeah. point of scripture point. is a great starting point. All mm. scripture is God breathed, and as you exactly. Mm. And I think we need to uh, review our confidence in the sufficiency of scripture and in what is going on on a Sunday. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, Sundays are a great place to bring someone. Hashtag Tron Church Big Read. Is that the what it's called now? It's changed name. It's now called the Tron Church Read. The Tron Church Read oh. covers that. Um, so have a read of that if you yeah. haven't already. Yeah, any given Sunday. Any given Sunday. But yeah. that's the point that's being made in that article is Sundays are a great place to bring people. If they've got and questions, I, bring them on a Sunday. And again, that's that's good news, isn't it? You know, so we're not making our way individually to holiness. Um, I don't need to be able to explain the whole gospel to my friend. In fact, I would be much better. I mean... By all means, do. <laughs> but I'd be even better, or as well, bring them along to church, let them see us, yeah, um, and the work yeah. that God is is doing in us. Yeah, the, the, people are struck by that, aren't they? they are, they're, you know, they're there with all their senses going, so they're hearing, um, but they're also watching. Um, they're feeling the warmth of the welcome. They're chatting with folk. Um, all that together is is very powerful. So they're. They're seeing the realities of the gospel lived out mm. when they come on a Sunday. They see all these different people who otherwise would not be in the one place. They're together mm. across the generations. You now, I was observing on Sunday night, I was just looking at a few rows in the pews. Mm. And in both rows I was looking at, there was somebody, there was a teenager, there was a student, there was someone in their 30s, like me, there was someone in their 40s. Only. Just, you know, the, across the generations. Yeah. And it was like that for several rows. I thought, that's just great. Mm -hmm. That is just a wonderful picture of the family of God. And when people come in, they see that. Yeah. And actually, our church is getting younger. Yeah. You know, someone's looking at the information on that, but the average age in the church is getting it's younger. It's going down, yeah. And I think that's almost, almost always one of the things people say when they come in. It's like, oh, this is much younger than I thought. Yeah. Um, mm. There's life here. Yeah. So, someone came into Central on Sunday and said, ah, oh, are black people welcome? And I said, just you wait. <laughs> um, and then at one point left, someone in their 90s chatting with somebody in her mm. 20s. Mm. Yeah, yep. It's great. Uh, a really encouraging Sunday. It's good, good to chat over these things again. Lots to, I think, a good reminder to pray for our leaders mm -hmm. and for those who preach. Um, and next week's preachers are Willie, um, back in Ezekiel, and the weekly update will tell you which chapter to be reading in advance of that. And um, Phil Copeland is completing a trilogy which Stephen knows the name of, it's, but I don't. So it's Israel's Troubler versus the Inescapable Word of God. I wonder who will win that one. And it's the third part of that trilogy um, and the end of One King. So um, I hope you'll enjoy and appreciate those sermons uh, just as much. And you'll be hearing from somebody else in the Talking Points podcast next week. Mm -hmm.